Hi, I'm Keegan. Welcome back to GM Talks. I am joined by my lovely assistant, Brennan. And of course, you know we're lovely because we refuse to show our faces. We are joined by Kat, a friend of mine who I'd met at our local friendly gaming store. And uh, she wanted to talk about some of her experiences, especially being of the female persuasion at a local friendly gaming store and her some of her experiences. Welcome. Hi! Hello! <laughs> uh, thank you so much for letting me be on your show. I really appreciate it. Absolutely. So this is, this is my first time ever uh, being on a podcast, so I'm going to let you guys teach me along the way. Okay, we're learning along the way too, since this channel started mostly with actual play podcasts, more so than the interviews. <laughs> one of uh, one of my regular gaming groups members has been eagerly trying to get us to podcast our play sessions. It's a skill set because I thought about it for a while and uh, oh man, like the first episode I have listened to recently and I'm just like, God, this is awful. <laughs> uh Mostly because you're used to, especially if you're all in the same room, gesturing with your hands and things like that and using body language. We also have kind of a built-in problem. I've been gaming in the same dedicated group for more than 15 years now. So there are just layers upon layers of inside jokes that make no sense to anyone else. Oh. <laughs> like, try and explain to someone why the sound an eagle makes is SCREAM! <laughs> It's like uh, me and Brennan with uh, the Franks. Frank. Frank. Yup. Uh, that could just be the flavor of your group, though. You never know. Like. Yeah, that's that's fair. <laughs> it's not a bad thing, though. How do you manage fifteen years of like consistency? So it it really starts with we're all super close friends. Um, I. I have kind of a weird history with gaming. My mother was my very first game master back when it was Advanced Dungeons and Dragons in the box and my class was Elf. <laughs> I still have my first character sheet, don't judge me. That's, That's pretty amazing. awesome. Um, I, that grew into this larger group um, Basically, they've become a family to me. I currently live with half my gaming group, and the other half is a married couple with two children who game with us. So, that'll... that's awesome. <laughs> yeah, that'll certainly do it. Uh, we were our gaming group was pretty consistent though for a while. Uh, at least me and Sean, I remember, because that was uh, since '06 till Sean moved. Mm. That you was know. like four or five years ago. Uh, but. yeah. Uh, but also then Sean just refused to get his computer fixed to jump on online. I remember Sean. Uh, I think that is kind of another aspect to it. I, I say the same gaming group. I, it's kind of been the core people. Um, the, the married couple, Chris and Jordan. Jordan is like a sister to me to the extent that her first daughter is named after me. Um, and then we've always had Bill in the group who now lives with, you know, I live in the same house as him, but we've had kind of a rotation of people over the years, some who came in and then left for the military or came in and then left due to, you know, moving or marital things or group has evolved. I think it's just kind of the core group that stayed the same. Okay. No, that makes sense. Uh, it had been that way for a while. Uh, my, I have two kind of newish groups uh, with a couple overlaps with older people. I, I should actually use this as a good transition because coming from that style of, you know, dedicated weekly gaming groups, um... <laughs> Going to a place that ran open tables and being expected to run open tables and deal with this broad spectrum of gamers was eye-opening when I started working in a tabletop store. Yeah. 
Were you just so used to your core that, that was it jarring or was it just kind of like a new fun experience? I yes, it was both. It was completely both. Um, not only was I very used to a gaming group that you know we had all known each other for a long time. Half the group is girls, but then I kind of got thrown into this environment. It was the only girl working at my gaming store when I got hired. I probably should have known what to expect within the first week when my my manager who hired me um, told me that he only hired me because I was a girl and they needed representation. And that he doesn't trust women to know gaming. Uh, yeah. I... <laughs> Jesus. Okay. Uh, so, I'm, did you get a lot of that? So, I know you got that from your boss. Did you get that from any of your uh, your coworkers then? So, I uh, coworkers, not as much. Yes, in some respects, the the low level stuff. Customers, definitely. Um, I've worked in numerous industries. I've worked in healthcare. I've worked in the adult novelties industry. I've never been harassed, touched inappropriately, spoken down to the way that I was at a game store. And I don't think that this is by any means indicative of all gamers. You know, I, I've run with this fantastic group for so long. I met a lot of really fantastic people, including Keegan, out of this experience. I don't think it's indicative of all all gaming, but I do think that it's prevalent enough out there to be spoken about. Oh, I agree. Um, I don't think you follow the Facebook page, but uh, essentially I post occasionally that it's a, here's your friendly reminder, RPG, the RPG community being the most open of nerd com- culture isn't a badge of honor, it's a fucking warning. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Being someone who does uh, not only RPGs, but miniatures gaming, card and board gaming, um, I even got into LARP over the past year, I I definitely find that we are some of the most inclusive groups. Frankly, okay, I'll be very honest with you, the miniatures guys are kind of the worst. I... I don't know a lot about miniatures. I have seen at least the people who on the page or in the meme groups that I post my page stuff to, the ones who continuously bring up Warhammer as a point of reference tend to be the most like racist and sexist ones out there. Yeah, I I ended up working at this game store um, for about three and a half years. I was the assistant store manager by the time that I left, and my parting from the store was not on good terms. Um, I I got fired because my manager threatened to hit me. And what? Yeah. <laughs> and when I spoke out to the store owner about that, he... The day later, I was fired. Um, the on-the-books reason for firing me was because I had put that I was the assistant manager on my resume. And a, I had given my resume to my store manager, or to the store owner, to look at. So, you know, hey, I just want, you know, a professional eye on this to see what you think. They knew that I was looking for other work were okay with that and he fired me saying well we don't have any paperwork that shows that you're the assistant store manager so by you putting that on there it's a liability to us that was his reasoning for firing me wow yeah <laughs> that sounds like a pretty bad situation yeah um it kind of sucks because this this literally is one of, if not the most popular game store in my town, and I won't shop there anymore. Um, I found out 
so many horrible things working there. I I don't want this to just be me like specifically complaining about that store. So personal stories aside, at least personal employee stories aside, um, it was weird in my store because not only as a female there was I used as sexual marketing for the store, but they didn't want it to seem like they were using me as sexual marketing. So I'm a fairly attractive woman, I would like to say. Thank you. Sorry. Um, but one of my biggest fights with my manager was about getting an appropriate shirt for me. They absolutely refused to buy women's sized shirts. And the men's sizes made it so that I couldn't... You know, these were basically like what you would find in bowling leagues. I couldn't move my arms without popping buttons in the front. Mm -hmm. um, they absolutely refused to consider buying women's fit shirts. Even though at that point, two more females had joined the staff. Um, they refused to stand up for me when I was being harassed. Uh, one time in our game room, I got touched inappropriately. Like, a man grabbed my bum while I was carrying stuff to the front. And when I told my manager about it, he said, oh, it was probably just a mistake. I'm like, no, I'm pretty sure I know a pinch on the bum when I feel one. Wow. Uh, you know, it, it's a certain aspect of game society and your management wanting to cater to their clientele. Yeah. I, uh, I actually remember a story with at that store with you, actually, uh, when uh, I think it was you who was running Munchkin. And I do not. <laughs> yeah, that, I know that doesn't narrow it down. Uh, <laughs> but uh, there was uh, someone there who was trans. They identified themselves as female, and this guy across from me just kept misgendering her, and he kept saying him, and I kept looking at him right in the eye going, her. And it just uh, would not sink in. Yeah, I think I actually remember that. <laughs> I was getting pissy with a guy and I didn't want to start a fight. Because I knew that it would turn to basically shit coming down on you. Yeah. But... Well, that was the other part. I, I definitely tried to make the game store more inclusive. Which was something that my manager had always said he wanted. Was a more inclusive environment. I recommended starting up a girls gamer league where we would invite girls into a space that was comfortable with lots of other girls around and every week we would you know go through different games one week we'd have you know 40k let's learn about that next week let's just play some board games let's do a painting night my manager refused. He said that it was fine to call it a girls' gaming league and that, you know, we could reserve one or two tables for it. Actually, at first, he was only allowing me to reserve one table for it. I, he actually, like, refused to let me make it feminine-centric. Um, I wasn't allowed to only ask females to teach the games. Is a big thing that annoyed me. Yeah, we had like one female 40k player, and I was like, "Oh, I'm gonna see if she's available to teach 40k." And he was like, "Oh, well, you can't just ask her. You need to to ask, you know, grouping of people if they want to do it. You can't make it sexist." And I'm like, "I, hey, this is not computing." All right, I think I know which manager you're talking about as well. Uh... I didn't know about the uh, in what terms you left in, actually, and I, I really hadn't gone in, especially because of COVID. I went in a couple times to pick up books, but I'm, I'm less inclined to go in when they start opening up again, I think, which is a shame because the other gaming store that's in the town uh, is so sad. Yeah. <laughs> like... I just always walk in and it's like, wow, there's so much empty space here. Not table space, just just empty space. 
Yeah, and I I know that like the game store that I worked at, it's one of the best. So the reality behind it really upsets me. It, you know, even the number of customers who would refuse to ask me questions mostly about miniatures gaming, but about games in general, because, oh, well, I'll just wait for a man who knows what he's talking about. <laughs> yeah. No, I, that is something with uh, gaming culture that has to be addressed, and that's why I want to try and get as many voices on this show, especially, to get it out there. I mean, it'll be listened to by, like, five people, but those five people will understand. And I, I know I can kind of ramble about this, so I apologize if my thoughts aren't as organized as maybe they could be. Um, nah, we like uh, we like conversational here, so yeah. The, the big thing that I want to present to your listeners is that there is still a problem in the the gaming world. We have come really far, but it's still there, and. It helps if I know as a woman walking into a gaming store that there will be other gamers there who will have my back, who will see and recognize the type of things that women go through in the gaming scene. That's gotta be, it's just gotta be a, a community thing. Everybody has to put in the effort there. That effort starts with just recognizing that it's still a thing. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. No, and that's, that is a thing. So to anyone who's listening to this, if you see a woman being harassed by a customer or even an employee, speak up. It's... Recognize, recognize that the female employees who work behind the counter have been trained. We know all about all of the games and if we don't we'll be honest but for the most part like we know a good deal a good fucking deal about every single aspect of that store that we sell we have to yeah i mean you and me uh at one point it was a before you left that i saw you and we talked about uh the merits of high versus low fantasy regarding fifth edition and Pathfinder 1. Mm -hmm. And yeah, very knowledgeable conversation. And it was, you know, that's something people need to recognize, especially if you're someone's passionate enough to work in a game store, they know their shit. Yeah. I mean, when I, when I walked into that game store as an employee, like the first day, I didn't know shit all about miniatures gaming. You know what got drilled into me the first month that I was working there? I had to actually sit down and play a full game of every single miniatures game that we sold. I had to know everything about those. Three days later. <laughs> <laughs> it was That literally took up every single Friday night that I had that month and some Saturday nights, which really made my D&D group mad because Saturday's my D&D night. <laughs> Mm. get that side note none of that training like none of the sitting down and playing each game was paid time that was purely like so that i i could learn these things and i really had a passion for it um uh, anything that's run in back rooms of game stores all of those miniatures games card games event nights none of that's paid work we're volunteering our time. I just like you're required to know this, but not gonna come. I don't know. No, I gotcha. That's kind of shitty. Uh, yeah, but I mean, I guess it's kind of like part of the job. It's shitty. Don't get me wrong. Uh, with all that experience of just open running uh, open tables, then have you ever thought about running con games, or do you I run con games? I've run a couple of con games. Um, I used to be known kind of within the con circle for running an amazing game of um, Werewolf, not the RP, the, like, card game. Okay. Oh, back in the day. 
Yeah, I would go to high school conventions specifically. We have some really cool, like, high schools will run gaming conventions for their students. And I used to go to those all the time. I've run My Little Pony card game tournaments. I've run, actually kind of got forced to bump in as a substitute GM for a random table at Con in Denver one year. Wow. Hell yeah. So much more experience running open tables now. And I will tell you, they are either absolutely the most hilarious, defunct little group of misfit misfits you can imagine, or they're all assholes. Every single one. There's that is that has not been my experiment my experience actually. <laughs> Really? <laughs> My experience, and to be fair, this is Gen Con, so who knows, is uh, everyone I've run for, it has either been, everyone's pretty on the ball, or you have two, no more, and no less, they're much like the Sith, people who are just gonna clash. That's crazy. I loved, um, I had this fantastic group where it was all cold sheets, so, like, I handed out their sheets, they'd never seen the characters before, flip them over, and this guy who had, you know, um, Nordic runes tattooed all up and down his arm, big beefy guy with, like, the Mjolnir necklace, he was playing the cleric. That's awesome. <laughs> he decided that he was a pay-for-pray cleric. Oh. Oh, Lord. For, like, a con one-shot, or was it uh, over the entire duration? It was like... just the one-shot. Oh. I've only ever done the one-shots, thankfully, at cons. Um, I don't have the patience for the long-haul games at cons. Fair. Uh, the ones I have is I ran a V5 game... Uh, the year it came out, and it was the pre-approved scenario and all that. And they're going in this, and I'm like, it's a one-shot, all this, and these two guys were, you know, riffing off each other close friends, so one was excusing the slightly questionable uh, behavior of the other. And at one point, he basically almost stands in the, call, the, the, the room we reserved, and it's like, I want to go up to him, and I want to skull fuck. And his friend goes, whoa, 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 we're in public. <laughs> <laughs> and the other one was last year when I ran a Changing the Dreaming uh, game. And there was two older gentlemen. Uh, they, this, was a more, this was definitely more of a case of generational gaps uh, than anything else. But... Uh, they were sitting down, they'd done vampire and all that for years, and uh, I got a bunch of people, uh, several who, or two who went by they, them pronouns, and uh, they wanted their characters to be addressed as such, and so one of them just suggested, hey, let's write down our pronouns on our uh, name sheets as well, and I'm like, hey, cool, good on you, because I, I also gave them character sheets with brief backgrounds, and then they got to do the hard part and make up a name and describe the character. Because mm -hmm. uh, I wanted to, and I did his bare bones on the background. And mm -hmm. the guy, one of the older guys goes, your majesty, as his pronouns, kind of chuckling to himself. And everyone at that table kind of gave him the side eye. And it almost blew into a political fight. And I'm just like, it is 11 at night. I'm <laughs> running till one, please, for the love of Christ. <laughs> <laughs> Not you know, now. As, as a GM, I would have made sure to, as pointedly as possible, call him Your Majesty. And not just Your Majesty, Your Majesty. That would have been pretty good. Uh, <laughs> luckily, what happened was, is we finally figured out he wasn't being shitty. He was a guy... He, he, what he did was shitty, but his motives weren't shitty, and that he, he just thought everything was a joke. And so when that came across as he was making fun of himself and his own behavior, people kind of warmed up. But because you're at Gen Con and you can't really... You, they want you to grab the runners to pull people aside so that uh, and talk to the shitty people so that uh, the 
the table experience isn't ruined because people are paying. Mm-hmm. Uh, I had to like go, all right, everyone, bathroom break. Uh, about an hour in, and I went over and went, there are eyes, I'll throw up my hand. This is what happens. Like, uh are always pretty wild, though. Mm-hmm. Um, I've, I've only ever gone to Gen Con with my, uh, my old store. So I've never paid to go up there. I I was okay with that. My issue was the years that they started requiring the girls specifically to cosplay. Oh, Christ. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That, that seems like when you said, like, marketing your sexuality, that, that's, that's a line. Like, oh, jeez. So I will say, I I say require, I mean more encouraged, as in, so you're cosplaying this year, right? Oh, you're not? I'm not sure that we're going to have a place for you at Gen Con this year. It looks like we might only get, you know, X number of tickets rather than the number we thought. Oh, geez. What sleazeballs? Did a lot of kind of sleazy things. Happier subjects. Uh, (laughs) Um... Are there is there anything you like running more than any other, uh, or on character creation when you play? Like, are there things you prefer, or are there, like as Keegan said, the, the hard part finding a name for your character? Uh, are there things that you like doing or have a hard time doing? So I do have some weird superstitions when it comes to making my characters. Superstitions are good. I have a special set of dice. It was my very first set of dice. I will tell you that whenever I'm rolling characters, that set of dice has never given me less than, like, 12 in a stat. Very rarely have I even gone that low. Most of my stats are at least 15 and above when using that set. Uh, Kat, I don't think that's a superstition. I think those are weighted dice. Oh, you can <laughs> They've been blessed by the god of the sun. <laughs> cannot the life of you use that set in game because you'll uh. never go well in game. Oh. <laughs> My mom has actually brought weighted dice to a game before though. Oh, that was Jesus. a fun thing. <laughs> <laughs> People think I use weighted dice, but then they take my dice and they roll low for them. Uh, another weird superstition that I have is all of my gaming characters have L names. Why L names? Because my very first character ever, um, her name was Lena. And then my second character was Lavi. And then my third character also had an L name. And it just, by the time I realized that I had just been naming the past, like, six characters with L names, I just realized that I could not and would not stop. <laughs> That's, That's kind of funny. Yeah. Um, it gets really interesting because I also like having kind of meaning or reason for the names that I pick. And uh, so there's a lot of time spent on, like, babynames.com. <laughs> I, I, I completely understand Brennan. And what? Does, does Brennan do this too? No, I do, because every time he's in my game, it's like, this person says hi to you. What's his name? And he pulls out his notebook to write it down. <laughs> hey, notes are important. Indeed. So I had, like, a list of, like, names for, like, 200, like, some throwaway NPCs. And, like, half of them became important because I got names. Uh, On the front of, like, I I go through the name charts, too, but only for when I'm making characters. Uh, um, Have you ever gotten, like, the uh, targeted ads that are totally misguided? Like, oh, you thinking of a baby name? Like, what about these products? Jeez, I... Okay, so can I just say, I never correlated the two. I always just thought, you know, it's because I'm a woman in my 30s that I was getting all these... (laughs) you having a baby (laughs) ads? I 
I never once correlated that, but yes, they always <laughs> pop up after I start a new campaign. <laughs> <laughs> and now you know. Brain <laughs> exploding. I'm the world's greatest detective. <laughs> um, how, how long do your campaigns usually go for, Kat? Oh, that's that's a that's a hard question. The we campaigns, don't softball. the campaigns that I'm involved in, or the campaigns that I run. Either or. Uh, do you have a like a perfect length that you go for, or is it just like how how the story or the game runs? I personally, when running a campaign, like to come up with an overall story, and that can run for. Know, between one to six months um depending on you know how often we meet how long we get to play uh but a lot of our campaigns tend to be a little shorter for a really stupid reason uh we've had one primary campaign that we've been playing for 15 years now that's actually four interwoven campaigns with two good characters and two evil characters played by each player and like everything is intertwined and absolutely insane. And we've literally been playing this for 15 years now. I think that came up in like, what's your dream game, Keegan? <laughs> <laughs> um, our, our GM, who is absolutely fantastic. His name is Chris. We call him Crispy because we've had, we you know, way too many Chris's. Um, he is absolutely fantastic. He's been GMing since before I was born. <laughs> wow. And he has created this absolutely fantastic mm. world that literally has taken us... Um, we started it in 3.5, back when that was you know, still fairly new. Um, we... One did one session in fourth edition because we hated it. Mm. And we've officially brought it into fifth edition now. But because the history is so intensive with our characters, um, my character personally, my primary character in this, which is for one of the good campaigns, is a level 17 half-earth elemental wizard named Lena. And... I always played her as a beast master, so she, she's like always bring you know new elementals or new monsters. Um, fifth edition didn't allow that really well, so we modified the absolute fuck out of fifth edition. And for my newest character, who's for the evil campaign, I created him based on the old myth of the the wandering Jew, the, the biblical story, the man who threw a stone at God while he was carrying the cross, so God cursed him to live forever. He is that, except his body still erodes under him, so we've taken the artificer and made him basically a homunculi artificer. That's pretty cool. I like That's that. That's really cool. I really like that. I really appreciate how knowledgeable my GM is. Oh yeah, no, there's that's always helpful when you jump into a game. And um, he's had to literally create new classes for our games. Um, you know, if you ever want him on the podcast, I'm betting he'd be happy to do it. Oh, absolutely. We'll we'll have to pencil him in. Uh, next week is busy because. Uh... We're going to have to record two next week, Brennan. All right. Uh, we're recording one with Scarlett, uh, who's in Germany, and Jade, who is from the UK. So. Double trouble. Double trouble. You mean all across the globe? We try. Jade is in my werewolf game right now. She won. She was one of the ones who won that contest. Uh, and she's actually part of a uh, Twitch streaming channel as well, where they have a Patreon and all that. And she's a goddamn champion because... We start our game at like six o'clock our time. So she's like up at 11 and goes to like one in the morning. It's like, I'm going to get two hours of sleep and go to work, everyone. Good night, everybody. 
It's like fucking champion. I I actually very much know that feel. When I first started gaming with this group, I was still in high school. So we'd meet up on Saturday nights at 7 p.m. And we wouldn't finish playing until like 7 a.m. Oh, I remember oh, those geez. days. I, we, we, I think all young gamers did that at some point. It's it's a I think it's a rite of passage. <laughs> definitely, definitely. Oh, now I'm ancient. And it's like, oh God, is it nine o'clock? I got way past my bedtime. <laughs> um, I'm I'm really lucky because I live with my gaming group, and we've tried the like gaming via teleconference or whatever before. It never works out as well as we'd hoped. Mm -hmm. Um, so I still get to game pretty much weekly. Uh, Bill is currently running just like a little side game for us. It's been absolutely fantastic. Tonight we're going to be hanging out and playing board games all night. Very cool. Uh, so I know you got the 5e game. What other games have you been, uh, playing in or running in re running recently? So with the pandemic, not a whole lot. We've done a lot of, like, board gaming, um, and we got a new board game called Obscuro that's absolutely fantastic. Uh, I, as far as what I've played in before and what I'd really like to play in again... Oh, so that's not completely true. When the pandemic first started to hit, the first week that we were quarantined, I ran the end of the world. Oh. It is a fantastic RPG. There are four different settings out currently. There's zombie, um, alien, old gods, and something else. I don't have the fourth robots. one. <laughs> it's robots. Is that the one where you uh, basically play yourself like in the house you're in or wherever? Yeah. Yes. Oh, I, I want to play that so bad. Uh, I, I kind of surprised everyone because, of course, they thought that I was going to go with the zombie apocalypse pandemic theme. Instead, I went for the revenge of Gaia, Mother Nature, coming back to kill us. <laughs> uh, it seemed more fitting in the plague times. Uh, fair this enough. This is true. <laughs> I don't know. I like that uh, that Lord of the Rings meme I found where it was... Uh, what was it? Balin going, the birds are returning. The earth is healing. We're the virus. Balin, shut the fuck up. <laughs> Beautiful. <laughs> Just. Uh... <laughs> Have you. Um, I'm actually. I've posted it a little bit. Have you heard about uh, Legend Lore? No, I haven't. Please, it's explain. it's a Kickstarter for Five E. They got rid of uh, racial bonuses, which Wizards of the Coast is going to do anyway. Uh, it's all gonna. It's all based on uh, background, uh, nation you grew up, things like that, to help expand the ability increases to get rid of the kind of that uh, that classic racial trope. I like that. And uh, it's basically an isekai where y you play you and you got transported to a fantasy realm where you could turn into a dwarf, elf, still be a human, things like that, and you choose which parts of yourself and your idealized self or the most important parts of your self-image show up in that world. And the game is either setting your own path and deciding to stay there and adventuring all of your days or trying to find a way back into our world as yourself. So you can bring whatever meta-knowledge you want. That sounds absolutely amazing. Mm -hmm. It's based off of a comic book, I guess, from the 80s. I, I might have to check that out because uh, you know that Yeah, let me, uh, I think I, yep, here it is. I backed it as well. Um, just throw that there in the chat. There you go. So. Yeah, really assume that I know how to do this. <laughs> I can send it to you on Facebook. I'd appreciate that. Like I said, <laughs> re-download Discord for this. Okay. 
I had it for a little while and then just got rid of it because I was never talking to anyone that I actually wanted to talk to on here. Fair enough. I only had it for LARP purposes and my big LARP this year got cancelled and I'm not going to any in the foreseeable future, so. Eh, makes sense. Given the state of the world. Yeah. Uh, let's go to some GMing questions real quick since uh, that's something we like to do. What do you like to do to for note keeping and uh, outlining the stories that you do for your games? How do you prep? I over prep. Um, I am terrifying when it comes to this. I have a container of note cards that I have handwritten every character or like every monster from the monsters manual and i have them organized by level so if i ever need like a random encounters i can literally just pull a note card wow those uh wet erase mats are invaluable in my existence That's <laughs> even fair. if even if you do theater of the mind and the other problem, I get a little bit on the rambly side when I'm ill-prepared, so sometimes I'll write out full dialogue states. Do you find... I know this is a problem when I over-prepare. I'm just curious. Uh, do you find that you end up being a little too rigid in the story, then? So, one of the things that I've found is the most handy is over-preparing so you don't have to prepare for the game. Once I've gotten an overarching storyline and like a couple of pieces of dialogue that I really need to get across to the characters, generally let the flow take hold. Um, you know, if I need random encounters, I've got an entire box full of monsters that I can draw from at any point. Um, I'll organize things to an extent, but I over-prepare, like, the all-over gaming so that when I'm actually in-game, I can let loose a lot easier. Okay. I do think railroading happens with any game master. Like, it just does. I, I think I try and avoid that as much as possible. And there are some great books about how to be a better GM that I've delved into over my existence. What are uh, some of your favorites? You know, if you give me a second, I can go look at my bookshelf, but I do not remember names off the top of my head right now because it's been a couple of years since I've read them. That's fair. <laughs> Most of them I read back when I was still working in a store and trying to be a better, you know, random game master for tables of people that I didn't know. Yeah. That makes sense. I'd uh, mention it to Brennan. My uh, my favorite way to prep, especially for each uh, each session, is I just write the end state of what happens if the players either fail or don't get involved in, hmm. and then just maneuver from there so that the end state can change. And then I have motivations written out to go, yeah, they'd probably do this, and then just go. From do you kind of I do kind of find when running open tables, um, your players are either going to jive with what you're doing or they won't. Um, I had this fantastic, the first time that I ever ran an open table, I was trying to run a weekly game and I had more people than I was prepared for who wanted to be in it, so I decided to run two separate tables one directly after another. Uh, we were only playing for like two hours. No, four hours out of my Saturday. Not a huge deal. Yeah. But first group was always saying that I was running things too railroady. So for the second group, I decided to just fly by the seat of my pants and let them like lay down some clues let them decide where we're going. This entire campaign was set in, like, fantasy, um, classic fairy tales mm -hmm. brought to, you know, your D&D &D setting, which I'm sure is, like, a very common setting option. But 
my second table absolutely hated it. They said, you know, initially they were like, oh yeah, you know, we really like to experiment and not be railroaded and go off on our own direction. And then they hated me for letting them do that. So <laughs> sometimes the players are going to like it. Sometimes they won't. Oh, I, I I totally understand. I there's sometimes when I give things that are open and my players are just like ah I don't know. So I just go. This person says do this, right? <laughs> sometimes you have to lead them by the nose. Absolutely, I dislike it, but I I totally get that. Um, do it as little as possible. Yeah. Uh, I'm curious about this, because I had mentioned this on a couple previous episodes, and I'm trying to get better at it. Is uh, Do you run any pre-made modules at all? Yeah, on occasion I will. Um, specifically when I still worked at a game store, that was one of the big selling atmospheres. But my, my sister, Jordan, um, and I say that loosely, she has been running The Curse of Strahd, it's possibly one of my favorite games. And she actually started running it Halloween of two years ago. So that shows you how often we actually get around to playing it. But, you know, yeah. they've got to understandable. Um, that's absolutely one of my favorite games to play. Uh, the setting is just so cool. I enjoy a lot of the pre-made modules just as much as I've enjoyed some GM's own created worlds yeah i mean i i heard this uh well it's uh if if it's official you're just playing with someone's house rules or someone's homebrew setting <laughs> but yeah. uh yeah it's a personal i know because i almost always did homebrew that i actually have kind of a blind spot and a weakness uh, as a gm for pre-made modules and i was wondering if you have any suggestions on what you do to prepare and kind of run through those pre-made modules so it doesn't feel railroady. So one of the big things is to pick your module carefully. There have been some fantastic modules on the market and there have been some really shit ones. I also, you know, before I run, I spend a good week. I read through the entire module from cover to cover. I learn everything I can about it. I write note cards. And mostly, I don't know, maybe it's just because I've run with really good people when I, whenever doing modules. Most of them know it's a module. They go into it looking for that aspect and looking for that particular adventure. It's, at least in my experience, not over hard to get people into specific modules. Okay. To know, I because uh, I ran horror on the Orient Express, and there were a couple parts where it's like the module did wanted this, and the players did not. So I had to tr I, I tried to lean them that way, and I, I knew it was kind of railroad, and it left a sour taste in my mouth. And I know it left a sour taste in a couple of the players' mouths as well. Hmm. Yeah, I I don't know that I have any advice on that. Um, I guess if anything, find a way that you can loop it narratively back into where they're supposed to be without it being, you know, oh, a tree falls down in your path and lights on fire and there's a dragon and you can't go that way. <laughs> okay. <laughs> uh, sorry, falling back a little on Dexter's laboratory there, aren't I? Oh, yeah. Oh, God, I love that episode. Me too. I was uh, just watching the oh. episode where they play D and D too. So nice. Um, do you have? I, I actually have Verve, and so a lot of those old cartoons actually show up on my streaming service. Love it. Uh, yeah. Code code name Kids Next Door and uh, Are You Afraid of the Dark was suggested to me today. Yeah. <laughs> um, as as far as uh for your homemade stuff cat do you uh do you like to come up with your own um stuff and personalize it or are there any things that you like uh use for inspiration so i i think like most people i get inspired by whatever i'm doing at the time period 
Um, one of my favorite campaigns that I ever ran was a pirate ship campaign where all the characters, kind of unbeknownst to them, were playing the predecessor ship to Captain Hook and were off to fight this, like, insane, deranged Peter Pan. I love fairy tales. I love bringing fairy tales into things. Um, so I, I often lean heavily on, like, classic literature. Yeah. Very nice. Yes. I've been... I've been trying to get. I've been trying to read the entirety of the Appendix N suggestions from First Edition D and D. There's some. I found some good classics in there. Like I really like Elric and uh, the Michael Moorcock series of the Eternal Champion is what I found. But yeah. I also found I should like Clark Ashton Smith. Like everything on paper makes it sound like he should be my big three weird tales author. Because mm-hmm. I like weird fantasy. He does that. I like like the classics and epic poetry. He writes epic classic poetry about weird fantasy. Like he writes an epic poem about a lich. But every time I read him, my eyes just glaze over. <laughs> Unpopular opinion here, but... And I know this is going to ruin every ounce of nerd cred I've ever received, but I feel the same way when reading J.R.R. Tolkien. Oh. Yeah. Uh, He just doesn't jive with me. Hobbit is phenomenal. Hobbit is great. Uh, uh, Silmarillion was a little bit hard, but it had some fun parts. Silmarillion was Elf Bible, and I've read both. I've read the Bible, I've read the Silmarillion. I, I can't. I can't I, do it. I have, a fun, I have a fun game for you. Okay. Uh, it's a two, uh, two-player game, or everyone can participate. It depends on how many Bibles and how many uh, Cimmerillions you have. Um, whoever, whoever's turn it is reads the first half of one sentence and then uh, hot potatoes it to the next person who re- reads the ending half of another. And it doesn't matter what book it's out of. Sounds amazing, and I need this in my life. Like, today it's a fun way to pass the time my only argument is it's not elf bible it's i uh it's elf beowulf fair um i i like the silmarillion but i like beowulf uh i think don't quote me like i'll try and find borrow it not buy it i guess but uh the children of huron i think you would actually like because that's closer to like the lord of the rings uh and it's J.R.R. Tolkien doing basically grimdark fantasy, which is weird. I do like grimdark. Yeah, my big problem with with Tolkien tends to be his exposition. I don't need an entire chapter on what the grass in the battlefield looked like, dude. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Uh, That's... I've also, losing nerd cred, I've never read the entire Lord of the Rings. Um, it's, uh, I feel like J.R.R. Tolkien would be a phenomenal game master, but he's not the most exciting author. I, I agree with this. I'm, I agree with this. I'm the minority in this chat. I've read all the Lord of the Rings. I've read the first book of Lost Tales. Uh, <laughs> You're a glutton for punishment, though. Eat a dick. <laughs> Another book series, because you like classical mythology and you like fairy tales, Kat, uh, I would highly recommend the uh, Flat Earth series by Tanith Lee. Oh, I will have to check this out. I've got a stack of books next to me still. Um, I basically got two big boxes of books for my birthday. I'm slowly working through. <laughs> I get that. I, I picked that up. It was a, one of the... Uh, inspirations for Exalted, actually, but it's very good. It's uh, about a, it, the first one's more of a collection of short stories tied by the overriding, uh, the overarching theme regarding the uh, the Demon Lord, who is the Lord of Darkness. Then the second one is actually a novel involving the Lord of Death, and the third one deals with the Lord of Madness. Send it to me, like send me a link because I will definitely check those out. I, I love reading a little too much. Got a library in my basement. Lucky. 
Over a thousand bucks. Oh shoot! Wow, shit. Okay, I'm. I gotta catch up. <laughs> we actually, uh, our basement level is a winding book maze to get into the back rooms. Just bookshelves. Excellent. Wow. Um, I must uh, interrupt briefly. Um, uh, far be it to stop talking about books. But I've actually got to get to a game. You two definitely keep going. I I don't mean to cut it off, but like, Cat, it was great talking to you. Nice to meet you. And I hope we can play together sometime or something like that. Or hang out. It was so nice meeting you too. I keep intending to go to one of Keegan's games, but because of my history in the game store, I'm kind of tabletop shy around new groups. Understood. I do hope to get to meet you in person at some point soon. You have a good game. Hi, right, thanks. Have a good night, guys. See you, Brian. Bye. 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 <laughs> <laughs> um, to bring it back then, uh, real quick then, since we'll go back to books, uh, what are some books you would recommend right now, just off the top of your head, to really inspire people for um, more fairy, fairy tales-based games? Um, so that's gonna really depend on what aspect of the fairy tales you want to delve into. Uh, I've personally been really loving, um, Jesus, I'm trying to remember any names right now and I'm really bad with this. The Resurrectionist is absolutely fantastic. Uh, it is a newer book with, like, I, it's not self-published, but it's kind of close. And one of the big reasons that I got it was I am a biology student, and the first half of this book is the story of the man who, you know found all of these mythical species. The second half of it is actual anatomical diagrams of mythical creatures. That's super cool. So beautiful. <laughs> I absolutely <laughs> love it. Very cool. So, cats, we're getting close to the end of the uh, our usual length. I will ask you our main question that we ask all of our guests is... Uh, no, uh, if interest was high, you had all the time, all the money, and all the people you needed in the world, what would be the dream game to run for you? Am I allowed to go in the LARP spectrum for this, or should this be specifically tabletop? Fuck it, we'll do it. We can do LARP. I absolutely would love to run a survival horror LARP. It takes place in like a cabin in the middle of the woods and you are all like slowly getting picked off by this murderer. Nice. I like that. I, it sounds like I fun. Horror and the psychology behind it. And I've tried numerous times to run survival horror tabletop I do not have the the voice or the presence to make it really work. Okay. I get that. Uh, the next time I decide to do a World of Darkness one-shot, I can give you a ring because th they usually end up that way. I'd appreciate it. Like I, like I said, I, I know I'm a little table shy. You've known me for a really long time and I'm not really great with new people anymore so i i totally understand it uh but yeah i think uh thank you very much for coming on to the show thank you for having me i really appreciate having this avenue to get this kind of information and my story which i'm sure is shared with numerous girls across the gaming industry um out there yeah no absolutely i'm glad you spoke up on the uh the, the uh post asking for people to join uh 
Is there any place on social media that you think you would want people to find you on? No, I'm sorry. No. Uh, that's fine. <laughs> that's why we ask. I, I appreciate it. But yeah, no, no real need to shout out anything. All right. Uh, so I'm Keegan, uh, speaking for Brennan. Uh, have a great time. We are a bunch of gamers. You can find us on YouTube, Podbeam, Bean, Apple Podcasts, and we got a Facebook page, but you will never find me on Twitter. I find it accessible. Good night.